Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Um, so, good morning. Uh, I'm Heath, if you don't know me, um, planting lead pastor, getting closer to senior pastor every day. I've decided not to use that word until I'm old enough to use it, um, but I'm getting, I'm getting close. I, that's why you may notice that I shave more often. It's because my beard's getting grayer and grayer, and I look younger with no facial hair. <laughs> so um, today we're going to talk about a subject that I feel like I bring up a lot because I think the church needs to hear um, that suffering is there and it's not going to go away. And what do we do with it? So living Jesus is greater means going to the right place when stress and strain of our world comes against you. We all have methods of coping. All of us do. You're like, I don't really have a method. You have a method. When you get stressed, when you get strained, when things are coming against you, you have something that you do. And, and you could, um, yours could be alcohol. Uh, yours could be working more. Well, if I just keep working, then I don't have to think about it. Um, yours could be working out. As much as I talk about working out, uh, working out can be a, anything that we invest too much effort and energy into can be a bad thing. Especially when it avoids us getting to a place that we actually get to deal with God with what God's wanting us to get through. Another coping mechanism could be anger. So if you, if you have an anger issue, it's probably because there's a stress and strain in your life that you're not properly dealing with, and it's, it's coming out. People are seeing it. It could be pursuing distractions uh, like social media and binge-watching TV. I'm going to say it again because I, I just said the word. Get off Facebook. Get off Instagram. I still don't have e. I'm not on Facebook at all. And I only look at Instagram uh, on my desktop because I don't want it on my phone anymore. And the day that I have it back on my phone, I permit you to judge me for it. Because for me, it's something. And when I get stressed, I want something to distract me. And really, on my list, I mean, anger's a little bit there, which you would never think. Oh, Heath is so nice. He is just the nicest guy in the world. I can't imagine him getting angry. Just talk to my wife and children. Um, I can hide from the best of you guys. Uh, but binge watching TV is another. I've said it a lot over the last couple of um, or the last two months is that you, if you want to ask me how well I'm doing and figure out, ask me how much TV I'm watching. Because if my TV consumption is high, I'm not dealing with something. I'm avoiding something. That's just me. So if I left your coping mechanism off, uh, make a mental note because today Paul's going to convince us that there is only one place, one healthy place for us to go. There's only one healthy place for us to go. And if we choose something else, that problem is still going to stay there. It's going to sit there hovering outside the window. You may be avoiding it right now and you may not be dealing with it right now, but it's there and it's going to come back. And Jesus came to give us life and life abundant. Abundant life isn't living in fear of something, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. So let's pray. Lord, let us see the truth. One, I pray in Jesus' name that you expose the thing, the fear, the stress. 
Lord, that you give us eyes to see that it's actually going on. And Lord, I pray that you would also expose to us the thing that we're doing to avoid it, to cope with it. And if it's not running to you for comfort, Lord, I pray that you give us a repentant spirit to apologize, to repent of pursuing something else to give us what only you can give us. So, Lord, let your word speak to us with power today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 13. Um, Corinthians, Corinth is a, a church that Paul actually started. And his first letter to the church was really about how dysfunctional they were, dealing with issues. The second letter to the church is kind of praising them a little bit of things, but then also defending himself for being their guy who started them. They're, some of them were like, we want a letter of recommendation. Can you, can you, Paul, who started the church and who invested a lot of time, effort, energy into the church, the church is saying, hey, you know, before you come next time, can you, like, send us references so we can check them to validate that you should be here? And it's, it's just, it's idiotic. But this is what's going on. And, and part of that was is these, these fancy other pastors have come in and they, they look better, they sound better, they preach better, they, they have better clothes. Paul um, wasn't well-dressed. He worked every day to pay for his ministry. He didn't take money from people to do anything. And here's these other flashy, awesome pastors. And people are like, well, we want you to be more like this. And Paul wasn't. Because Paul wasn't interested in getting his comfort or his identity or his security from something other than Jesus. And if you are, you're going to live a miserable life. And I'll give you a little bit insight into what God's done, even in me in the last couple months. So let's start in verse 3. And this is titled, this whole section is called, The God of All Comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Another way to say that is a compassionate Father. Lots of us that grew up in the South, we don't look at Jesus. We don't look at God the Father as compassionate in anything. We look at him as going, I'm going to murder you if you do something stupid. I mean, I, I grew up in the South, North Carolina. You know, like fires, brimstone, and there is a justice in God. Don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a cheap grace guy. I'm not do whatever you want and it's going to be okay, but I am in the, uh, the, the camp of believing that God has got a whole lot more mercy and a whole lot more comfort for us than we give ourselves. And if we don't get that, we're in trouble. Listen to this in James 1 verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everything that you enjoy that's good for you, every blessing that you have right now that's good for you, it's from God above. Whether it's your ability to do the job that you do, the brain that God has given you, whether it is the financial position that you're in, every good thing that you have right now comes from one source. Our issue is when we claim it came from us. <clears throat> Gifts come down from God, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, because He doesn't change. There is no, you know, like, oh, God is this one day, God is that the next day. God is tried and true. Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because he is. If we don't get this idea, and this is what I'm wanting to hit on today. If we don't get that he is the God of comfort and he is the God of mercy, then we'll go somewhere else. We'll speak the name of Jesus, but we'll go to something else for comfort. And that something else will eventually pull us completely away from God. Because at some point, when we're trusting in something else, we'll go to the something else until it fills us, and well, it doesn't, and then we change to something else, and it becomes this pattern that we do over and over and over again, seeking something else other than God for comfort. Verse 4, it says, Who comforts us in all our affliction, and I, I put a little parentheses here, any and every trouble. So there are some things that you can take to God because he's going to give you mercy and comfort that and not other things that he's not. Because a humble, repentant person who acknowledges even the worst of things, there's a God of mercy and comfort ready there for you. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That so that is probably the most important part of this. I think sometimes the church has given you a misconception that what God is doing is just for you. And it is not. What God does for you, if he does anything, is always for more than just you. That's the church. If he comforts you, it's so that you can, in turn, comfort someone else. I don't know if you've ever sat in front of someone that has never experienced what you've experienced, and you tell them something, and they're trying to comfort you, and you're like, but you just don't get where I'm at. But when you sit across from somebody that has gone through what you've gone through, and they've experienced the comfort that Jesus offers, their words have power because you're like, they get it. And so for those in this room that have gone through horrible things that you're hiding from the world, you're over them, but you're hiding them, I encourage you, use them. Because there's other people in your world and in this church that need to hear the testimony of what God did in your life through that scenario. Because there's a comfort, when God comforts us, we have the capacity to comfort someone else. The bonus of receiving comfort is the ability to give comfort. If you struggle with giving comfort to others, it is because you won't allow yourself to be comforted by the Father of mercy. When we don't have, if we don't have grace and we don't have mercy in our life, it is solely because you won't receive it. Because if you receive it in the way that God gives it, we cannot do anything else but to then give what we've got because we've experienced something that has radically changed us. We finally feel ready to go, thank you, God. And maybe some of you, I've lived in this world a long time, maybe some of you think you don't deserve his mercy or comfort. That's why he's the God of mercy. So mercy is, look at this, the definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone in whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. It is within God's power to punish and harm us, sinners. And instead of doing that, he offers mercy through Jesus Christ. 
Verse 5, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, and this is not something we like to declare, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. How many of you are like in the morning, Lord, I want to share in your sufferings today. I want to suffer. I mean, you're crazy. I'm just going to tell you like something has gone wrong in your brain. I mean, we may say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, but like we're not, you know, like. But he's like, and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. This right here is just a box that we put water in. The symbol of this, and you may not get it, um, but the reason why we baptize, we immerse people is because, well, one, that's what they did in the Bible. But two, it's a symbol. So these people came in here, got in the water, and they went into an environment that they can't live in. Which is under the water. You ever try to stay under the water forever? No, because you're still here. <laughs> but you come out of it. So it's, it's this imagery of you're going into his death. Because if we go into his death, we get to also go into the life that he offers to us in the resurrection. If you haven't figured this out yet, you cannot avoid suffering. But, okay, hear this. You may be able to make better choices... Okay, eye contact to everybody in the room. Because some of your suffering is caused by your own bad decisions. Let's just admit it. Some of my suffering, not some, like a fair amount of my suffering has come from my own bad decisions. Better choices to avoid some of it, but we can never insulate ourselves enough to avoid it all. You can't. I mean, like, the, there's a strong Ukrainian church. There are believers that love Jesus. And they, I'm sure they've been praying harder than you're praying for Ukraine. And this is still happening. Cause, so then we could go, oh man, um, I, I've, I've done everything to avoid this. And, and now there's literally another nation who doesn't love Jesus as a whole. Not to say there aren't Christians in Russia. But as a whole, coming in here to want it to take over and change the way we've lived life. We cannot insulate ourselves from everything, but we can prepare for when it does come. But in our suffering, Christ is there with a resurrection power. Resurrection power is when there's no hope. There's still hope. I mean, that's when they put him in the tomb. And I've said this over and over again. The, the, the disciples didn't hang out outside the tomb going, two more days, one more day. He's coming out. They weren't there. No one was there other than the people guarding the tomb. And then they came on the third day to prepare his body because Sabbath had ended and they were going to finish his burial, not to celebrate his resurrection. And guess what? What had no hope gave us the option of eternal hope forever. Verse 6, it says... If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. I mean, can you imagine? He's saying, it's, it's, and this is where we should live, and this is where I'm trying to get to today. 
In spite of what happens to you, you can live an unshaken life about the power that is in charge of you. Verse 8, it says, And we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. And there's lots, I've read lots of, you know, this could have been um, Paul in Ephesus um, when he was ran out because the silversmiths were angry that they were going to lose their business for making their God. This could be an infirmity. This could be literally something that ailed him. Well, they don't know specifically what this is, but listen to this. And I love the honesty. That Paul's, this, he, this is a pastor writing to a church and he's getting ready to say some pretty profound things. It says, for we were utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We were to the point of despairing. We're not even going to make it. We're, we're, we're as good as dead. That's the place that they were at. And I love this verse. It says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. You're like, oh, I don't like that verse. But wait, 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 wait. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If you allow it, suffering, stress, strain will push you to the God of all comfort, to the God of mercy. It'll get you to that place so that you can still in this thing go, man, God's right there with me. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, a little bit further on. It says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If you're holding on to the, this world, the things of this world, and if something in this world gets taken from you, regardless of how painful it is, that you despair so much, we, we miss this because these are light and momentary afflictions. And, and Paul had a long life of suffering. This wasn't like a short, like, you know, he went out with a bang. I mean, he had a long life of suffering being, I mean, if you go through his list of things that happened to him, being beat, tortured, shipwrecked, <laughs> bit by a poisonous snake after almost drowning in the water. Light and momentary. Everything, and if you're in it right now, this is painful. Everything that you're experiencing that is overwhelming is light and momentary. Compared to, and here's the point, to the surpassing glory of what we're offered in eternity. And if we don't have that um, perspective, it will overwhelm us what we're going through. This idea of trusting God alone. Verse 10, it says, He delivered us from such deadly peril. And I love the hope of this statement. And He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So we've seen it. And here's the, here's the beauty of most believers. We've seen God rescue us. We're like the people of Egypt. We've seen God do something. If you're choosing to love Jesus, at some point you've seen the goodness of God. Or you wouldn't even be in this room. 
The hard part is living today like he's going to do it again and again and again. What are you setting your hope on? If it's not Jesus, you will be let down. You will be upset. Your life will be miserable. But you can be in prison like Paul was. Most of the letters that he wrote that we read. I mean, he wrote Philippians, which is a joy-filled letter imprisoned. I mean, he wrote words that say, I've learned to be content in all things. Whether having much or little, being hungry or satisfied. I mean, he, he said that not like, oh, yeah, 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 you've got the easy street. He's living in a great neighborhood. He said that from prison because his perspective was changed. Verse 11. And this ties into last week. You also must help us by prayer. So he's telling the church, hey, we need you to prayer. Because remember last week, prayer is power. If we want to see God do something, let's pray. Because when we, when we talk about God doing something and we think about doing, God doing something, when we plan for what God's going to do, it has little power compared to praying to a God who is full of compassion and full of mercy for you. And I want to challenge you. Um, do you, are you, will you pray for the leadership of this church? Because we need it. And not just me. There's lots of people that lead here from the small group leader up to me. And we need your prayers to continue what God's doing here so that it doesn't become about us. It doesn't come about our glory and what we're doing. It becomes completely about what God's doing. Here's another one. And, and, and this may be more difficult and painful for what I'm getting ready to say. Are you praying for those in power in our country? And I'm talking the spiteful, let's whatever. I'm talking about honestly saying, hey, God has put this man in leadership. You may not like what I'm saying right now. I don't care. God's sovereign. God has put this man as our president. And we, because he asked us to do this, need to be praying for our leadership. That God would bend his heart to doing the things that he wants. If he can bend Pharaoh's heart that had no intention of praising God... Our current president is no trouble. But instead of complaining about what they aren't doing and getting into all these stupid Facebook. Can we just pray? Because God has more capacity to change the hearts of those in leadership than we can. Get off my soapbox. I'm just telling you, my life is so much better without social media. So let me, let me give you a little um, testimony. Um, our church in September will be 10 years old. Uh, I've been in ministry since 2002, April. So um, a, this April will be 20 years of ministry. Um, ministry is painful. And you, know, you want to know why? And I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming me. Ministry is painful because at times in my life, I put you collectively, the church, in a position that you don't deserve to be in. My happiness does not come from you. 
My happiness not come from even the number of people that are here in our church. And there was a season that it did. There was a season. I mean, you do not understand over the last 10 years how many times I've made plans to leave this job. You don't even want to know. You know, I mean, I've thought about all kinds of things. I will sell anything. I will sell anything and I will go home at the end of the day and not worry about anything. And you know what God told me about a year and a half ago when I was pondering these during the middle of COVID and I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, like I'd never videoed a sermon ever in my life, at least as reach. And now I'm recording myself on my iPhone against a blank wall. I'd never, like I, I'm like, I need people. And I'm questioning, like, should I even be doing this? And I, um, God has this way of when I'm, I'm doing manual labor to kind of speak to me. Maybe it's because I get quiet and I'm, I'm away from things. And I was weed eating um, at Coastal Day School. Some of you work there. Um, I was in the back, and it was summer. It was hot. And there's nothing more aggravating than being hot and weed eating. And I, I probably was complaining to God about things and blah, blah, this. And the Holy Spirit told me, you can leave. He told me two things. He's like, you can leave. He said, but you'll be back. And you'll never be happy with anything else. It's heart rate breaking. Because <laughs> I know he's right. <laughs> and fast forward about... Um, eight months, uh, my wife and I took a sabbatical last summer, which was amazing. I appreciate you guys for allowing that to happen and um, hanging around why it did happen and still being here after it happened. And then, as the elders call it, I had my second sabbatical with COVID. I came back, I preached one Sunday, then I got COVID and blood clots in my lungs and you know what. And you know what? November of last year, um, I carry a lot of weight that I'm not supposed to carry. Um, worry, fear, you know, I, I, more than anything, want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm terrified that I'm not going to get that. That I would spend most of my adult life investing in something you would think God would be like, well done. And being in it, and either feeling like I'm not doing a good enough job, I'm not a good enough this, or I'm not a good enough that, or or preaching things that I'm struggling with. And to be completely honest, a lot of stuff that I preach up here is things that God's doing in me. And sometimes, <laughs> as he's doing them in me. In November of last year, I went to go talk to one of my buddies. Uh, and I was whining. That's what pastors do with each other when they get together. <laughs> We tell, like, we share stories. And um, I was just overwhelmed, and, like, I, I could feel, like, this just pressure, this oppression on me. Um, and he's like, you're dumb. You just need to stop. Worrying. Like, just, you know, like, he's trying to encourage me, but I'm not receiving any of it. And I get in my truck to drive back from Shalot. It's my buddy that's uh, Lucas that we pray for. And th- this phrase, Jesus is greater, popped into my head. And it overwhelmed me that so much of my life is not lived with Jesus Christ. Every bit of my fear is assuming that that thing is greater. And 
I keep talking about this because I, I want it to continue, but like I want to, I'm, I'm living in a place probably the first time in my ministry career where I'm okay with everything being the way it is in the moment and, and trusting God enough. And I say this a lot lately. When I get overwhelmed by something, I'm like, Jesus, you're greater than that. Because my brain loves to run off with things. My brain loves to just, this is going to happen and then the church is going to end. <laughs> this is gonna, that's where my brain always goes. Like this, this, We're never, I know, we're 10 years in and we don't have a building. I know, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I want a building also. In the first moment, one of you gives us a million dollars, like we'll be closer to our goal. <laughs> And, you know, but for the first time, I'm, I'm not like, I, I, and I, this sounds bad, but I don't care. And not that I don't care about you. I, I, I love this church and I would do anything in my power for you individually. I would because that's, that's who I want to be. But no longer am I going to be ruled by things that I can't control. I'm going to do the best I can. And sometimes I'm going to fail at it, and I'm okay with that. Because I serve a God of comfort and mercy. And if I serve a God of comfort and mercy, then he's not ready to whip me when I do something stupid. Because he loved Peter. And this is why I love Peter, and we'll talk about Peter a lot, because Peter gives me hope. If he can love that guy, he can love me. Because I have not cut any of you guys with a sword. No one's ears have hit the ground. And what I want to invite you into is that. Because there's nothing happened to me. I would love to say like the Holy Spirit is like, boom! One phrase wrecked me. And for the last four months, it's continuing to wreck me. In the moment it doesn't wreck me again, I'm in trouble. Because I have a lot of fear and anxiety. And it drives me to things that aren't healthy. And for the first time in 20 years of ministry, I believe that Jesus loves me enough to take me anywhere he wants me to go. Amen. And until he gets me there... I'm just going to, in my humble best, strive to please him. And I would invite you into that place. Because there's people here right now that are overwhelmed with life. And you're overwhelmed because you're trusting you to re re redeem it, rectify it, make it better. And, and you're overwhelmed because you don't have the capacity to do that. And the more we're willing to humble ourselves and let God change us, the better we're going to be. Um, tomorrow, she's not in here, uh, is my anniversary. 24 years. Um, and you can, most of that applause, 99.9% .9 of that applause is due to Jody. <laughs> She did not know what she was signing on to at all. But I told Jody this the other day, and I don't mean this to sound the way it's going to sound. Um, my wife probably has the best version of me now that she's had in a long time, maybe ever. 
Because I put a lot of pressure on her to make me happy. Put a lot of pressure on her to whatever. And then when I'm overwhelmed, she's receiving a lot of that stress and strain on her. And Jody, she's probably as, as close to perfect as any of you other people in this room. <laughs> Sweetest, kindest. I mean, her parents, like, really set me up for failure. Because, like, if you know Kristen Eileen, like, <laughs> in comparison, I don't look as good as them. I don't act as good. I'm not as nice. Not as sweet. But Jesus, in his divine mercy put us in this position uh and i want you guys to get into place that you're ready to let jesus jesus sitting on the sideline waiting for you to say coach help and you know what he's not going to be like well i'm going to let you suffer for you know two years because you didn't blah 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 when math when peter started to sink And he cried out to Jesus. Jesus immediately stuck out his hand and pulled him out of the water. If you're sinking, ask. Even your fear, some of the most cleansing thing that you can do is just acknowledge what you're feeling. Just tell God, I'm utterly fearful of this. And just put a name to it. And then let him come in and do something with it. Because let me just tell you, if God does something in you today, it is not going to fix all your issues. It is not going to make you perfect. It'll start you in a journey of choosing to trust him more and more every day. And this is what we got to do for the rest of our life. This is what Christianity is. It's trusting him enough with our life that we begin to follow and to continue to follow our whole life. Salvation is not saying yes to Jesus and getting wet once and then choosing to do whatever you want. Salvation is surrender to the God of comfort and mercy. And if that's not where you're at, I invite you. Jesus is, has done everything necessary for you to be received in this moment. Because he did what you couldn't do. He lived a perfect life. And I encourage you, for those here that are struggling with that, open up the Gospels. And don't read it through your potential Southern Christian whatever. And just look at Jesus. And look at the compassion that he gave. The only ones that he was abrasive to were the ones that were stupid enough to think they were perfect. And even those that came and humbled themselves, he welcomed them into the family. He welcomed them into his thing, and that's what he's doing today. I'm going to have our worship team come back up. That's the promise. If you're suffering... We serve the God who invented mercy and created comfort. And whatever your outlet is right now, it is not getting you where you want it to get you. And I invite you, join the journey with me. Because this is a journey that I'm on. 
And I'm a little afraid of falling off the train, <laughs> to be completely honest. Because, you know, I'm 45 and I have four months of really getting into a place of going, God, I'm just going to trust you with everything that comes my way. And so regardless of how long you've been doing it wrong or maybe you've never done it right or maybe you never even attempted it. God loves his people so much that when they're ready, he's there. When Adam and Eve, his perfect people that had no sin barriers, there was not they went in a world that was sinful. When they broke the one rule that God gave them. And this changed me. Read it again. Go to Genesis. What did God do? He pursued. He went after them and he said, where are you? And I I think the words of God today, very simply put, is where are you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good. Your mercies are new every morning. You are the Father of comfort. You, you give it, Lord. I pray that all the lies that are being bombarding are bar- bombarding our brain right now, that you aren't. You aren't merciful. You won't love me. I can't trust you. Lord, I pray that you eradicate those. Lord, I pray that you would pour out right now in this room through your Holy Spirit the love that you've been pouring out from the beginning, from the creation, that pursuit love, that trust me love. And Lord, I pray that you would change us. I pray for those in this room that they're hurting so bad and they don't know anything else but this pain that they're experiencing or the fear that's overwhelming them. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that there would be a peace that passes all understanding as you encounter them. Lord, I pray that you would whisper in our ears, I'm greater, son or daughter, trust me, I'm greater. So do that today. Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom to this room, to our hearts. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are so hard-hearted, they're so hurt, and the church may have even done that to them. Lord, I pray that today that you would do what you prophesied that you would do in Ezekiel 36, that you would remove the heart of stones and that you would put a heart of flesh so that we could be your children, so that we could function as you have designed us to. So, Lord, I pray that you would change this church that we wouldn't be a, we wouldn't be full of ourselves, or we wouldn't be anything but this humble person of trusting you. Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation today to those who need it. Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort to those who need it. Lord, I pray that you would pick fear out of people's lives right now. Not removing them from the situation, but removing that thing, that overwhelming thing. Lord, I pray that we would be like David who walked on the scene with Goliath that has terrorized people for 40 days. And we go, he's done it before. 
in my own life with the bear and the lion, he'll do it again. Lord, give us the confidence, not in our skill or ability, but give us the confidence in your power. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Do to us what we need today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com. 